0: Thank you mr kenny and i'd like to thank everyone for coming along tonight to support our family night service and uh, i'd also like to say a word of thanks to each of the parents just for supporting the youth fellowship um over the year and the young people themselves for coming out um and uh and, and being with us um just whenever we were practicing some of the passages for the for the services um, some of the words in Matthew 2 verse 6 stood out to me and says And I, Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel and those words referring to our Lord Jesus Christ as a governor just uh, stood out to me as I I listened to that being read. The Lord Jesus Christ is a governor, one who has authority to bear rule. Indeed, he is the supreme governor, the lawgiver, the governor of all the world. And we read in Isaiah 9, verse seven, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Today as we look around and we see fewer and fewer people attending the Lord's house and as laws continue to be passed by governments throughout the world that are contrary to God's word and living the Christian life seems such an odd thing to do, it's easy to see why many feel that we're living in in an old fashioned way and even some would say in a post-Christian world. But the Bible says Jesus Christ is a governor and of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end we're not in a post-Christian world the Lord Jesus Christ who took upon himself human flesh and died an atoning death for each one that will receive him he reigns supreme still in Isaiah 6, it says, in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Our Lord still sits upon a throne, and he is still high and lifted up, and his train still fills the temple. The governments and even the churches of today may set aside the word of God, saying, let us break his bands asunder and cast away the cords from us. But the Lord's response is ever the same. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. You know, in a day when everything around us is changing so quickly, and our Lord, he's still on the throne. And we're here today to set before our young people and before you the rock of ages, the sure foundation, the old rock of ages that has been there since the world ever began and never changes. And we're here to glorify him tonight as we bring even a few songs and readings uh, before you. Amen. So at this point, we would like to just introduce some of the young people And I think Sarah GM's going to come and give a reading. Thank you.
1: This Bible reading is found in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Her- of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And lo Bethlehem in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have find him, bring me the word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh.
2: The earth is
3: do thank our brother Alistair for uh, the comments and also for introducing the first part uh, of the program to us and so we've had uh, the bible reading by Sarah Jane Macaulay and the choir singing joy to the world and we now ask Rebecca Miller to come uh, to sing away in a manger thank you Coming to the second part of the youth program this evening, it's going to commence with a Bible reading from Luke chapter 2, the verses 7 to 14 by our brother Reuben Hanna. Then the youth choir is going to come and bring a message in song. And then Andrew and Zara Barnes will also bring a message and song. So just coming one after another, please, as the program unfolds.
4: Luke chapter two, verse seven. And she, and, she, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there's no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the God shone round about them. And they were so afraid, and the angel of the Lord said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men.
2: do you go-
3: I'd ask you to turn with me this evening to one of the portions that was read for us just a little bit earlier, and it's the Gospel of Luke and the chapter 2. The Gospel of Luke and the chapter 2. As you're turning up the portion, I want indeed to thank all of our young people this evening uh, for taking part. We certainly appreciate that very much, and we trust that they will be encouraged in the Lord. And we would ask you to pray for our young people in these days, that they will have that heart for the Lord, and that they will seek to press on uh, with the Lord in these days. Portion of Scripture is Luke chapter two, and our brother Reuben read for us from verse seven down to the verse fourteen. Well, I want to speak this evening on the swaddling clothes. And you'll find that two verses here in this portion make reference to the swaddling clothes. Verse 7, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Then also in verse 12, they're mentioned again. And this shall be a sign unto you Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. The significance of the swaddling clothes. That's what I want us to think about for just a few brief moments together. But let's look to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord for help as we come to consider his precious and inspired word. Our Heavenly Father and our gracious God, We do thank thee for all that has gone before. We praise thee for help that has been given to the young people. And we ask, O God, that thou wouldst take tonight this effort in the gospel and use it to thine honour and to thy glory. And as we come, O God, to meditate upon thy word, we ask, O God, that the word would come even with power to our hearts this evening. Make it, O God, a word in season. And a word, O God, that might even bring a soul from nature's darkness to the glorious light and liberty of the gospel of Christ. Hear us and abide with us now. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. The angel of the Lord is speaking to the shepherds and speaking to them about the birth of Christ revealing to them something of the conditions and the circumstances by which they would discover the Savior. And they have said there, for example, in verse 10, that they were bringing good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And verse 11 goes on to show that they would find the Savior in the city of David, and that he would be Christ, and that he would be the Christ of God. He would be Christ the Lord. Whenever you think of that and the description there that is given of the Savior, you would imagine that if such an one was going to be born and such an one was going to, to come forth, you would expect that they would find him in the royal palace and that they would find that babe dressed in the richest royal robes that would have been available. And instead they find the Savior lying in a manger and dressed in swaddling clothes. What a contrast, therefore, uh, the words of verse 12 are to the words of verse 11. Oh, he would be born in the city of David, the royal city. He would be born a saviour, which is Christ the Lord. But ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in the manger. Oh, not in a palace, but in a stable. Not in royal robes, but in swaddling bands. Not in the lap of luxury, but there in the manger. And yet the verse 12 commences with the words, this shall be a sign unto you. And therefore there is something that we can learn from those circumstances of the swaddling clothes and lying in the manger. There are details that we would be so familiar with, especially at this time of the year, and we go over and over passages like this. But there was a sign here. In other words, there's something of significance. The Savior, as the babe in the manger, is wrapped in swaddling clothes. And just for a moment or two, I want you to think about those swaddling clothes and the sign that they are. They would speak firstly the sign of the poverty of Christ. Those swaddling clothes would indicate to us the poverty, abject poverty into which Christ was born. Here is the eternal Son of God coming into this world and yet he is found wrapped in swaddling clothes. You are following the words of the hymn that we were singing. The carols that we repeat at this time of the year and we, we know the words so well and it said all meanly wrapped in swaddling bands. All meanly wrapped. You ever think of That word meanly, all meanly wrapped, it means to be wrapped in a lowly manner. And so here we're finding that those swaddling clothes were speaking about the lowly manner in which Christ was born. Do you remember how it was revealed to Mary as to who she would give birth to. If you glance back to the previous chapter, to Luke chapter 1 and the verse 32, It said there of the babe, he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Oh, he's going to be great and he's going to be the son of the highest. And he's going to have the throne of his father, David. The son of the highest came to the lowest. And he was born there into poverty. The apostle Paul was writing to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. And he said, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. O the Lord who was rich, Paul said, he became poor. And he who in eternity past was clothed with majesty and clothed with strength and clothed with light and with glory, he became poor. He became poor the infinite depths of the riches of Christ that are unsearchable, and yet he became poor. The glory that he had with the Father before the incarnation, and yet he became poor. Him said, Thou didst leave thy throne and thy kingly crown when thou camest to earth for me. But in Bethlehem's home was there found no room for thy holy nativity. There's the Lord Jesus Christ in Bethlehem's manger. And it tells us that he's wrapped in swaddling clothes. And Paul was writing to the Philippians. He too spoke about the humility of the Savior. And in Philippians 2, The verse 6, it says, Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross." And there's the Savior, and he came from the highest possible position to the lowest possible position. He came into this world, and he went to Calvary's tree. The poverty surrounding the Lord's birth was something of an indication of All that would lie before him right throughout his life and culminating there in his death upon the tree. There are so many examples there in the Word of God of the the poverty of the Savior. You recall the time in Luke chapter 9 whenever there was a certain man referred to there and he expressed a desire to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and the Lord would answer him. And he said in Luke chapter 9, in the verse 58, Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. The Son of Man, blessed Son of God, but he hath not where to lay his head. The poverty of the Savior, he was rich, and yet he became poor. You remember the time when the Lord needed the shackle, that piece of money, that coin, and he needed the shackle to pay the tribute. It was for both him and Peter, and he, he had to do the miracle to bring the shackle from the mouth of the fish. The Lord didn't have the shackle. Mark chapter 12, the Lord was asked a number of questions, but one of the questions concerned there, the paying of taxes and of rendering unto Caesar. And when the Lord was giving an answer to that question, he said, bring me a penny. He didn't have a penny. Someone had to bring him the penny, the poverty of Christ. When it came to the Savior's burial, he did not have a tomb, a tomb of his own in which he would be buried, but he was buried in a borrowed tomb that belonged to Joseph of Arimathea. And so when we read in Luke chapter 2 and the verse 12 about the Savior uh, wrapped in swaddling clothes uh, and there revealing the poverty of Christ, it was an indication of all that was to follow in the life and even in the death of Christ. This shall be a sign. A sign of the poverty of Christ. But secondly, a sign of the purity of Christ. Commentators tell us that the swaddling clothes were made up of strips of linen cloth. And those strips were a bit like bandages. And they would have been wrapped around the baby the way you would uh, wrap a wound with a bandage. That swaddling practice of the Taking of of linen strips and bands and wrapping them around the baby in certain cultures and certain countries, that practice still goes on. But maybe even in our homes and in our own experience, when you have that newborn infant, you do wrap them up. And you wrap them up maybe in the blanket and you're almost embalming them. And there's that feeling when the little one is wrapped up, it feels secure must give it the feeling of being back in the womb again. It's wrapped tightly and it feels secure and it feels comfortable. And it stops, of course, the little one from scratching itself or doing itself an injury. And so there was the swaddling of the infant. That's a practice that's spoken of even in the Old Testament. In Ezekiel chapter 16, when the Lord was using the illustration concerning uh, his people Israel, and he said, and as for thy nativity, in the day thou was born, thy navel was not cut, neither was thou washed in water to supple thee, thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled, nor swaddled at all. And so this swaddling was something of a practice, but here it was with the swaddling bands. And it's speaking to us there of the purity of the Lord Jesus Christ. The color of that linen, it was of course white linen. And that white linen, that fine white linen in the Bible, speaks to us of purity, and it speaks to us of righteousness. And you could read in the Old Testament about the high priest and the innermost garment of the high priest was that fine linen, that white linen, innermost garment representing personal innermost purity. That is purity of heart. And when you come across into the New Testament, of course, it still speaks of purity and of righteousness. Right to the very end of the Bible, in Revelation chapter 19 and the verse 8, it says, "...and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints." And so, when you go through the Bible and you find that white linen, it's speaking to us about righteousness, and it's speaking to us about purity, even through the very color of it. There is the Savior is wrapped in the swaddling clothes. It's reflecting the purity of Christ with the very color, the whiteness, the linen. Linen, of course, coming from the earth and flax representative of the humanity of the Savior. He was the one who was holy, harmless, and undefiled, and separate from sinners. There you can see that Scripture gives clear testimony of the purity of Christ, different ones who would have referred to the fact that the Savior was righteous. Do you remember the centurion who stood there at the cross as Christ was crucified? And what did he say of the Savior? What was his conclusion? He said, surely this was a righteous man, a righteous man. John's testimony in 1 John, he said, if any man sinned, We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Jesus Christ the righteous. Peter referred to the Saviour as holy. He referred to the Saviour as just. Pilate's wife said to her husband, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? He's righteous and he's just. The thief who hung beside the Savior on the cross, who became the penitent thief, he looked to the Savior and he said, This man hath done nothing amiss. Lord Jesus Christ in all his purity. Therefore, the swaddling bands, the angel of the Lord said, They're a sign. And they're a sign of the poverty of Christ, and they're a sign of the purity of Christ. But thirdly, they're a sign of the purpose of Christ. And they revealed to us something there from his birth there in the stable and laid in the manger and wrapped in these swaddling clothes. There's an indication to us of the very purpose of Christ. You can imagine them there all mainly wrapped, wrapped up in those swaddling clothes, those strips of white linen there at his birth. But that was not the only time that the Savior was spoken of as being wrapped in such a way. Because when it came to the death and the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ, it speaks of the Savior being wrapped up again. And in Luke's gospel, further on towards the end of Luke's gospel, the chapter 23, and there in the verses 52 and 53, we read of Joseph of Arimathea. And it says, this man went on to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. And he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulchre that was hewn in stone, wherein never man before was laid. And Joseph of Arimathea, taking the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, the detail is given that he wrapped the body. He wrapped the body in linen. Isn't it amazing that that's what happened at the Savior's birth? And it was a sign that that's what was going to happen at the Saviour's death in the Gospel of John. And in the chapter 19, we have a little further detail added there that it involved not only Joseph of Arimathea, but also Nicodemus, and that was the individual who first came to Jesus by night. But in John 19 and the verse 40, it says, Then took they, that's the both of them, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen cloths with the spices, linen clothes with the spices, as the manner of the Jews is to bury And so the way the Lord Jesus Christ was wrapped with the swaddling clothes there in the manger at his birth, it was a sign and it was something of an indication of what was to come when the Savior would die upon the tree and when they would take his body. And it tells us that they would wrap the body and they wound it in linen clothes with the spices. My What detail we have in the Word of God. And the point that I'm drawing here is the similarity between the details there at the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ and the very details at the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 20 goes on to speak about the resurrection. And in John chapter 20 and the verse 5 And speaking here about the two disciples, Peter and John, and they ran there to the sepulchre on that resurrection morning. And it says in verse 5, and he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying. And there again is a reference to the linen clothes that were wrapped and wound around the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, we would say, the tomb is empty, the Savior is gone, the Savior is risen, but the tomb's not exactly empty. Those linen clothes are there. In John 20 and the verse 6, Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie. They're mentioned again. And in the same chapter and the next verse, the verse 7, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Three consecutive verses, and in each of the verses it tells us about the linen clothes. Those clothes that were wrapped around the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he's not there. He is risen. And so those clothes, even back there in the manger in Bethlehem, when he was swaddled in those clothes and he was wrapped in those clothes, they were not only an indication of the Lord's death and of his burial, but also of his resurrection. A risen, exalted and glorified Savior he's revealed to us here through those linen clothes and the clothes now uh, being unwrapped, as it were. It reveals to us a risen, victorious and exalted Savior. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes. There's a sign. Do you see it? I hope that in the coming days you maybe will get a gift that you'll have to unwrap. The gift will come to you wrapped and it's concealing there the gift that is within. And there's something of a mystery there when you're given the gift and it's all wrapped up and you don't fully know what's inside it. It's a mystery. Then whenever you come to Christmas Day and you... You unwrap the gift and it reveals, it reveals that gift to you. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he's, he's all mainly wrapped in swaddling clothes. And the work of God the Holy Spirit is to uncover or to reveal the Lord Jesus Christ to us. And to reveal the Lord Jesus Christ to our hearts, and maybe as we've meditated for this short time upon God's precious word, you could have looked to the Saviour before, and for you it would have been something of a mystery. You didn't fully understand uh, the meaning and the message of the gospel of Christ. And we say great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. and Oh, that the Holy Spirit would uncover and reveal the Lord Jesus Christ to hearts tonight. That you would see that in the Savior we have God's unspeakable gift. The unspeakable gift of His Son. And how shall He not with Him also freely give us freely give us all things. May the Lord tonight reveal the Lord Jesus Christ afresh to hearts and if there's one outside of the Savior you've never come to saving faith in Christ. Oh that even tonight the Lord would speak to your heart and the Lord would bring you to taste and see that the Lord is good and you would know this evening what it is to be saved What it is to have your sins forgiven, what it is tonight to be ready for heaven. May the Lord bless His word to each one of us. We're going to close.